Five years ago, I got extremely sick on a trip back from Haiti. Last year, on the brink of death, I turned my life over to Jesus Christ and he healed me. Now I'm on a mission to help all others who are sick and suffering by introducing them to the healing power of God. My name's Clark Varon, and this is the Healed by Faith podcast. Welcome to your spiritual path to healing. Hello everybody, my name is Clark Varon, and welcome back to the Healed by Faith podcast. I am so glad that you're here today. And if you don't know me, then this is a great episode in order to watch. And also, if you are sick or suffering and need help, then this is also a great episode to watch because it's the story of how I was sick to the point of death and had a miracle recovery. And what I ultimately found out was wrong with me was that I was actually cursed when I was in Haiti five years ago, and I had no idea what was wrong with my health. No doctor could figure out what was wrong with me, but I ended up figuring out that this curse made me exposed to demonic parasites. And these parasites continued to replicate my body and feed off of my body until I almost died. And then I eventually turned my life over completely to Jesus Christ and ended up saving my life. Now, if you are religious, then this is going to be a super affirming testimony of the power of Christ. If you're not religious, please hang with me here. Because especially if you're someone who is sick or suffering and you need help, that I promise you Jesus is the way. I've seen it so many times over and over again. And just yesterday, we published this incredible testimony of a woman who had a very similar condition to me, where she was possessed by two different kinds of demons. And I ended up being able to help her. And in one day, she went from having extraordinary pain, she ended up having swelling in her eye and in her ear and in her head. And in one day, helping her cast these demons out of her body, she was able to have a miracle recovery. How did I know how to help this woman? The answer is, I went through it myself. I literally had hundreds of parasitic demons attached to me. They came in a pack and because I learned how to pull them out of myself, I was able to help her with her journey as well. Now, if you're a Christian and you think, hey, this sounds really freaking weird, Clark, what you're talking about. You're talking about curses and you're talking about demons and it's like, I believe in Jesus. I want all the good stuff. I want my salvation. I want heaven in the afterlife, but I don't want to believe in all that, that nasty stuff that you're talking about. And I just want to remind you what Jesus actually did here on this earth. Now, in the book of Mark, just first thing in the book of Mark, we have John the Baptist announcing that Jesus is coming. Then we have the baptism of Jesus. Then we have the temptation of Jesus in the desert. And then he begins his ministry. He calls his first disciples, right? And then first thing he does, boom, the man with the unclean spirit. So we're in first chapter of Mark, verse 21 here. They went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue. They went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. What do they mean by that? A guy who's possessed by demons, of course, right? And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? So who's crying out, the man or the demon? The demon is, the demon is speaking through the man. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? This is the demon talking about the kingdom of hell right? The kingdom of demons. And I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This man does not know Jesus is the Holy One of God. This man does not know Jesus at all. Jesus just began his ministry. He just started speaking in, in Capernaum. He's brand new. Nobody knows him. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. So what did Jesus do? Jesus cast demons out. And if you think, oh, demons, that means like my past or my bad emotions that I have or whatever that may be. Those are my demons. You know, we all have our demons. It's like, we're not talking about your trauma. 
we're talking about sentient entities, spiritual entities that are alive, but don't have a physical body. Now, if you believe in an afterlife, if you believe that when we die, our spirits go somewhere, then when you are a spirit without a body is very similar. You're, you're just a spirit, right? It's very similar to a demon who has a spirit, but not a body. You understand me? So angels, demons, these things are real. When you die, you become a spirit without a body, just like demons are spirits without a body. The fact that we can't see them doesn't mean that they don't exist. You got it? Okay. So that's demons 101. <laughs> if you are a Christian, you don't believe in demons, then pay attention closer to the Bible and stop reading it like it's just a representation. It's actually real. These demonic forces are actually real. There was another example, another guy who Jesus healed from demons. He cast like 10,000 demons out into a herd of pigs. This herd of pigs ran into the ocean. That was the garrison demoniac, the guy who slept in tombs, right? So this is a very real thing and it causes mental illness. It causes physical illness like it did for me cause emotional distress and of course you can have a lot of spiritual and of course you can have a lot of spiritual holes in your field through demons as well and of course it can make you sick spiritually as well now secondly if you don't believe in magic and sorcery and this type of stuff then let's look at the book of acts because paul comes to acts Paul comes to Ephesus in the book of Acts. And this we're in right now Acts chapter 19, verse 18. And here Luke wrote, Luke was Paul's companion, by the way. So Luke wrote also many of those who Luke was Paul's companion, by the way, who actually traveled with him and got to see these things for himself. So Luke recorded also many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their practices. What kind of practices did they disclose? We're about to find out. A number of those who practice magic and in other translations of this Bible, this reads sorcery. So a number of those who practice sorcery collected their books and burned them publicly. So they're literally getting their spell books where all of their spells are written. Like if you're a chef, you've got a recipe. These guys all had recipes, right? So they get their spell books and burn them publicly. When the value of these books was calculated, it was found to come out to 50,000 silver coins. How much is 50,000 silver coins? Well, I looked this up. It's $5 million today. So in Ephesus, there were many people who confessed that they performed sorcery. It says many, right? It also says that the total value of those books equaled $5 million today. That's not a few people practicing sorcery. This was something that was widespread throughout the ancient world and lasted a very long time. And the only reason why we don't believe in this stuff is because we don't see much of it in America today. Why? Well, thankfully, our forefathers were Christians, right? And so they knew not to practice sorcery. They knew that it was evil. But there were other cultures, other places where they didn't know that this stuff was evil. So they didn't give up their sorcery. In Western Africa, there's tons of sorcery. I've talked to a few missionaries who were in Ghana and they said, when we went to Ghana on our mission, there was people on a daily basis who would try to curse us and try to perform sorcery on us in the streets, right in front of us, right? And they said, but it was never able to touch us. They were never able to harm us because we were covered in the blood of Christ. Now, I went to Haiti. Haiti is a freaking hotbed for sorcery and voodoo magic, right? I talked to another guy just a couple weeks ago when I was at a conference in San Francisco. He was a Haitian guy. And you know what he told me? He's like, oh yeah, if like tons of people, they go to Haiti, they come home sick. They have no idea what hit them. They go to the doctors. The doctors can't figure it out, but they just stay sick. And I'm like, that is exactly my story. That's exactly what I experienced. And he's like, yeah, well, in Haiti, everyone believes in God because everyone's seen this stuff happening before, but not everyone follows God. And some people still practice voodoo. They still practice sorcery. 
So this is very real. And in Haiti, how do they, how do they heal these people? They pray over them in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what they do. And if you, you can find this information online, if you did a quick Google search, and you can also meet actual Haitian people. In fact, I'm going to try to get him on the podcast so he can speak to you himself about how to heal voodoo magic, how to break curses and things like that. But it's very real. And I was a subject of one of these. And if you don't believe me, it's basically by the end of this testimony, you're going to have two choices to believe. One, you can believe that I went completely insane, that I completely lost my mind, that I had a mental break. And perhaps I was healed of a mental break, but it wasn't sorcery. It wasn't, it wasn't a curse, you know, or this actually is what I said it is, which is why I learned all of the spiritual tools, all the spiritual knowledge that I've acquired, all the spiritual authority that I've acquired in my prayers in order to help heal other people. Just like Amanda, who we heard from yesterday when she was possessed from demons and how she was miraculously healed as well. I want you to just take a moment to think maybe this is possible. Because if you don't come from this place, the rest of the story is going to sound freaking crazy because it gets wilder and wilder and wilder from here. Oh, and one more thing, one more person I want to mention to you. There's one other guy who I'm going to try to bring on the show as well. He also had the exact same parasite that I had, but he never even went to Haiti. And the reason why, if you're questioning, hey, maybe it was a physical parasite. Yeah, no, it wasn't a physical parasite. This guy had the same parasite. He almost died. He turned his life over to Jesus Christ and was miraculously healed. But he never went to Haiti. His father was a missionary in Haiti. And my guess is that whoever the witch doctor is that cursed him just got a picture of his son while his son was still living in Minnesota and was able to perform the ritual, the ceremony, whatever it is, in order to pray this demon into the son, in order to curse his son. And then once again, his son turned himself over to Jesus Christ, died unto Christ, and was miraculously healed. And I'm going to try to get this guy on the, po- on the podcast because I believe his testimony is incredible. And it also affirms to you that everything that I went through, other people have gone through it as well, that this spell or whatever it is, the parasite spell, is a real thing. So with that said, just the basis to help help you to believe in demons and in sorcery. And from there, we can start the actual testimony. So five years ago, when I went to Haiti, I came back super sick. No doctor was able to figure out what was going on, but I became super ill in the middle of the night. It was like 2 a.m. and it came out of nowhere. And this is what I've learned that a lot of these rituals are done in the middle of the night. And so literally a demon entered me and I immediately started projectile vomiting. I out of it came out of both ends, right? And I was barely even able to make it home. Well, when I got home, I got tested for parasites. I got for, tested for bacteria. I got tested for all types of infections. I did blood tests and stool samples. And they were not able to find anything that said that I was sick. There was just no evidence that I was ill at all. And so ultimately, I never got better. Like for the next several months, I ended up losing like 40 pounds. And four years later, the the illness started to get worse and worse. But what started off seeming like a stomach infection turned also into nerve pain. And eventually last year, that nerve pain got so bad that I couldn't even sit up straight. I couldn't sit in a car. I could, I could hardly drive a car. I could barely sit in the back of a taxi. I was traveling a lot. I could barely sit in a plane. And I was trying to do everything in order to just maintain my health. I did a lot of yoga. I was taking type different types of fish oils to help reduce nerve inflammation and stuff and nothing ultimately ended up working. And so what eventually happened was I ended up settling down in Colorado. I moved into this new home, stopped traveling and stopped working entirely. And I focused strictly on my healing journey. And so from the moment that I arrived in Colorado for the next several months, all I did was I went running in the mountains. I went swimming. Whenever I would exercise, I would be out of pain, at least temporarily. And then I would do chiropractic appointments, acupuncture appointments 
appointments, massage therapy appointments. And I'm talking like two, three, four times a week I would be doing each one of these things. I got into Chinese medicine. I started to study herbology. I started to study ancient forms of healing. I did a lot of meditation. I did a lot of breath work. I was trying literally everything in order to heal myself. But the thing is I was moving around like a madman. And as that happened, one day I received this mysterious Amazon package. It came out of nowhere and it was a book on how to meditate. Now this Amazon package was perfectly addressed to me. It had my address, my name on it, but I did not order this nor did any of my family order it for me either. I went to them and I started asking them, hey, do you have any idea where this package came from? Nobody had any idea where it came from, but it was a clear sign to me from God, even though I didn't even really believe in God yet, it was a clear sign from the universe that I needed to heal myself through meditation. Now, I knew that meditation could heal because I had been to this meditation conference led by Joe Dispenza, where I'd seen healing miracles. And if you go to Joe Dispenza's website, you can see thousands of people who have testified that through meditation, They've been able to heal themselves from all sorts of different things, from cancer, from disability. There was one guy at the meditation retreat that I was at who came in in a wheelchair and literally threw his wheelchair aside, healed and able to walk again. There was other people who were healed of gut issues, from irritable bowel syndrome, from all sorts of different types of illnesses and autoimmune diseases. They were able to heal themselves strictly through meditation, strictly through being still. And so God made it super clear to me. He's like, you need to heal yourself through meditation. That's the only way that you can heal yourself. As long as you're running around like crazy, going to different chiropractic and massage therapy appointments, you're not going to be able to do it. And so I spent like two to four hours per day for the next two weeks meditating. And I was still in so much pain, even while I was meditating, that I went down to the hot tub. It was kind of funny. Our hot tub was like in this public area and my neighbors made fun of me because I would be in the hot tub with an eye mask on meditating, sitting still for like four hours. And like, who is this guy? (laughs) But eventually one of those days, the parasite is what I found out eventually was, but the pain in my body ended up just melting out of my back. It literally just melted out of me. And the majority of the pain, the worst part of the pain just dissipated. And I was free finally from the worst part of it. Because at one point, it literally was a matter of the first thing that I would do when I would wake up in the morning would be like, how bad is the pain going to be today? You know, and then I would roll over and I'd find out and it was always excruciating. And then I had to force myself to do the yoga routine and the exercise routine and all that stuff just to have some kind of relief throughout the day. So eventually the pain got, you know, relieved for the majority of it, but I knew at the root of it, it still was not healed. You know, there was still something inside of me that was not right. And I wanted to figure out what that was. Now I talked to one of my friends who told me that he had just gone to an ayahuasca ceremony. And in this ayahuasca ceremony, he actually healed his back and he had gotten into a motor vehicle accident. He got into a car crash. He said during his ayahuasca ceremony, it felt like angels came down and just fixed up and repaired his back. I was like, okay, well, if that worked for you, then maybe it'll work for me. And so I committed just then that the next chance that I got the opportunity to drink ayahuasca, that I was gonna take advantage of it. I just had no idea when that would be. Well, literally one week later, I get invited to an ayahuasca ceremony by this guy who's considered the Dalai Lama of the Amazon, like the best in the world. And so I end up signing up and going right away. And a week later, I'm sitting in ceremony and I'm drinking ayahuasca. And there was two weekends that I did this back to back. The first weekend, I had the most important experience of my entire life. It was the weekend where my eyes were finally open to the fact that there is a spiritual world and God does exist. 
And I know that the first thing that a lot of people are going to think is like, okay, well, you had a drug-induced hallucination or something. Like, lots of people claim that they meet God when they drink ayahuasca or do DMT or something like that because these are psychedelic drugs. First of all, calling them a psychedelic drug would be super offensive to the indigenous people. Secondly, this didn't feel like a drug. Now, I've smoked weed before. I've drank alcohol before. I know what it feels like to do drugs. It suppresses your senses. It makes everything duller. It does not heighten your awareness, nor does it heighten your consciousness. But when I sat in meditation, after drinking the ayahuasca, I sat in meditation, it felt like surgeons had gone through my entire body and healing every cell in my entire body. I open my eyes and I see what I can't even describe in words. But I opened my eyes, and it was like with my spiritual eyes, I could see the source, the source of the spiritual light of the world, the foundation of the universe. And I became aware with a sixth sense of the existence of God. And immediately I drop down to my hands and knees and I repent and I ask God so much for forgiveness. I'm like, please, Lord, forgive me. I am so sorry. I didn't know and, and I should have known. And I just begged and begged and begged for forgiveness. And after I begged for forgiveness, I felt his forgiveness enter my heart. And in that moment, he forgave me for not believing. And after not believing, I was able to look up and I was just in this complete awe. Like I can't describe to you what this was like, but I was looking up at the stars on this mountaintop and I was in complete awe, looking up at the stars, feeling the energy of the stars. God was like in the stars. I put my hands in the ground. God was like in the ground. I could feel him there as well. And I realized then he's like, this God is conscious. And God's consciousness is the foundation of all things. Like if you could drill down below what an atom is and we could get down to the very foundation of all things, it is God's consciousness. And I realized he really is all powerful. Like his consciousness, because he's the base of all things, it didn't surprise me that he could quickly manipulate atoms and molecules to arrange in the way that he wanted them. If he wanted to split the seas, I had no doubt that he could split the seas and that people could walk in on dry ground. I immediately stopped doubting in the miracles. And then as I'm in awe, I look up God and he starts to reveal his nature to me and he fills me with unlimited love. Like he showed me that he is love. He is just his pure essence is just this all loving God. And it was so beautiful in order to see that. And I look up into the, into the heavens and as I'm looking up into the heavens, he literally opens the heavens and he allows me to feel what was in the heavens. And I felt this sorrow and I'm like, God, why? Why is this the case? Why is there so much sorrow? And in that moment, when I started to ask God that question, he immediately filled me with so much divine intelligence, like information was flowing through my body. And he showed me that he was, he was all intelligent. And in that moment, I could literally ask any question and it would immediately be answered. Like throughout me even having to try, I was able to tap into the unlimited wisdom of God. Like literally, I could have asked anything and immediately I would have gotten a response without me having to think. Unfortunately, in my ignorance, I did a lot of business planning and I I did like probably six months of business planning in like six minutes, just asking questions. Is this what I need to do or that need to do? Instead of asking the really big, important questions, which kind of shows how far I've come on this journey because that would not be how I would spend my time if I got, you know, some free time with God today. But anyways, he fills me with all this information after I look up to the heavens and I feel the sorrow in the heavens and then immediately gives me this calling. And I didn't know what this calling was 
was, but I knew that I had this calling that he wanted me to pursue. And I immediately fell to the ground and I was like so grateful. I was like, thank you for the calling. I felt it was such a special invitation. It's like, thank you so much for the calling. I don't even know what you want me to do, but I thank you for calling me. So this was my first ayahuasca experience and it was the initiation of my journey. It was the initiation of my spiritual journey. It was when I met God, when I stopped believing. I had this most incredible, incredible encounter with God that you literally, you read about these types of stories in the Bible and I got to experience one for myself. And so the following week, I ended up going back to another ceremony. And in that ceremony, it was a very different experience. And every ayahuasca experience is is very different, by the way. But this time, I learned that I'm very sick. And God was just showing me that whatever was making me sick was extremely serious. And that whatever was causing my gut pain was also linked to my nerve pain. And that also was linked to infertility. And that if I didn't get healed, then I wouldn't be able to have children. And so when I saw that, I went home and I ended up getting, I ended up doing the tests to see like, is this true? Am I really infertile? And yeah, the doctors confirmed that I was infertile. Now, don't be sorry for me. I'm going to be okay. I know I'm going to be able to have children. But in that moment, God kind of used that as leverage over me where it's like, if you don't figure this out, you're not going to be able to have kids. And that's when I decided I'm going to go to Brazil and I'm going to study with these people. I'm going to learn what it is that they know and understand the medicines that they have because it completely blew my mind. And so I went down to Brazil and I expected to be there for 10 days. I ended up being there for 40 days. And right at the beginning of the 10 days, the first thing that happened was the ayahuasca helped unblock my heart. I had just gone through a breakup and I was feeling actually when I was showing up to the center, I was feeling quite sick. Like I had a cold in addition to my normal nerve pain, but I had a cold. I had a head cold. I had some back pain. And what I realized was I had all these trapped emotions about my previous breakup. And because I hadn't released them because I hadn't processed them, they were making me physically sick. And so in that first ceremony, I finally processed all of that sadness. I ended up blowing my nose so much, I used an entire roll of toilet paper. And as the snot would come out of my nose, the cold that I had left my body, the back pain that I had left my body. And so this is a very clear reminder that emotions can make us sick. We can actually be physically sick from emotional energy, right? And this isn't that hard to believe, you know? If you have a lot of emotional pain, it can create knots in your back. If you have a lot of stress, we know what stress can do to our bodies, right? So why would we doubt that any other type of emotion could make us sick either. It can, and what's ultimately happening is you have, as an emotion, you have this energy that's trapped in your body, and that energy needs to be released, and oftentimes we purge that energy out through snot. That's why when you're crying, you're snotting, you're tearing, you've got, your body has natural ways of getting rid of these trapped energies, and it's through the ways that our body naturally heals ourselves. It's through the symptoms, like the symptom of the disease is the cure. That's why when I was blowing my nose and getting it's not out of my nose, that literally was the cure, right? And same thing with vomiting. Vomiting is oftentimes a symptom of a disease. Our body is getting this disease out of our body. This is how our body does it. It may not be pretty, it may not be fun or easy, but it's a good way of healing rather than just sticking some drugs in your body or taking a pill, covering up the symptoms, thinking you feel better, but all the disease, everything that's causing the root of the disease still stays inside of you. So this is one thing that I love about the natural medicine is it actually gets stuff out of your body instead of, you know, just covering up the symptoms that actually exist. The next ceremony that I go into after having this mass 
of emotional healing and feeling you know really good after this emotional purge is I end up going up for a back healing and I felt this pain in my back and I go up to the uh, Dalai Lama of the Amazon, this master shaman, right? They call him a page. So I go up to the page and I ask him, hey, can you look at my back? And this guy is like a spiritual chiropractor. He's he's done many healings on people's backs and helped people fix up their back, you know, in miraculous ways. Some of the times he says that he's like pulled a spiritual feather that has been stuck out of stuck in someone's vertebrae before. And once they pull once he pulls that spiritual feather out of them, the knot in their back disappears. I know it sounds crazy, but this is how ancient people have healed for thousands of years. And so I go up for a back healing and starts realigning this energy in my back. And I can't really tell if he's doing anything, but after he does that healing, I go up, I drink another cup of ayahuasca because the effects had worn off from the previous one. And I go and I sit back down and immediately within like three minutes, I start feeling like I need to vomit. And I run to the bush and I start puking and whatever I'm puking is coming out of my back and my brain. And it's it's a, not a fun feeling, the purging, but as this stuff is coming out of me, at the same time, spiritual light is coming down through me and I can feel a waterfall of spiritual light literally fixing up my brain, healing my nervous system and occupying whatever space inside of me was previously clawed by this dark energy that's now in this bush. Now, I do this like seven times. I keep going up for another, like another cup of ayahuasca. I keep puking. I go up for another cup of ayahuasca. I keep puking. This is what, by the way, everyone who goes to an ayahuasca ceremony, they go because they're sick. Ayahuasca is not, not a recreational drug. This isn't something that you do for fun. If you do this for recreation, first of all, nobody would ever do it for recreation. But if you did, you would not have a good time because it's purely medicine. It is purely medicine. So after I end up going through this cycle of purging and getting the darkness out of me and being filled with light, I end up going and sitting back down in my seat. And in that moment, I can actually feel the spirit of the vine because ayahuasca, it's a tea that's made out of a vine and a leaf combined, right? But I feel the spirit of the ayahuasca vine going into my head and literally healing up my brain, fixing up my brain. And I feel the light continuing to pass through me and it literally restored my, my whole mental health back to perfect health. And for the first time in literally years, I felt like I could think straight, felt like I could focus to people when they were speaking to me, I could listen in conversation. And I had this super heightened level of mental health that I don't even, I haven't gotten back to that level of mental health since that moment. I mean, it was like perfect health that I was in. And it was incredible, the transformation that I had. For the next few days, I spent a lot of time business planning and thinking and really just drinking a little bit of ayahuasca and not going too deep into the medicine. And then after about 10 days of being in the jungle, we ended up drinking ayahuasca with this other plant called tenori. Now, tenori is, it's a potato, right? That you make into a broth and you drink the potato broth with the ayahuasca. And the potato broth is like a laser that scans your energetic body to see, hey, are there any other energetic blockages? that need to come out of you and it finds any other energetic blockages and then the ayahuasca comes in and cleans it up and gets it out of you and you end up purging, right? So we all knew this was going to be a big night of purging, but for me, what came out of me, I didn't even know could exist. So I end up drinking the ayahuasca and the tori. I sit down, I get into a meditative state. The medicine is doing exactly what I told it, what I was told it would do. It starts scanning my body. The laser scan gets down to my sacrum, right? I'm all clean up here, but it gets down to my sacrum. And when it gets down to my sacrum, little worms pop out of my sacrum. 
And I'm like, what the heck? This is crazy. But the thing is, I had recognized these little worms before because when I was doing my deep depth meditations before I ever drank ayahuasca, because some people think that ayahuasca triggered psychosis, right? But before I ever drank ayahuasca, I felt these little worms and they were in my sacrum. And when I would do my Joe Dispenza meditations, they would pop out of my sacrum and they would kind of wiggle up into my back. Now, I didn't believe in spirits until I had come to Brazil. Even when I saw God, it's like I still didn't believe in angels. I still didn't believe in demons. I didn't believe in spiritual warfare. All of that stuff rapidly changed once I got to Brazil. And so this is the beginning of it all. But I had noticed the same sensation from my previous meditations. And I knew from my previous meditations that through breath work, I could pull these worms up my back and I could I could push them, right? So that's what I started doing. I started pushing these worms. I started pulling them. And I push one out of the top of my head. And as it's coming through up my back, it's actually growing. As it gets closer to my brain, it's getting closer to a larger source of energy in my brain. And by the time it gets to my brain, it goes from the size of like a string to the size of maybe like a quarter thick all the way around. I end up pushing this thing out of my head. That's like one quarter thick. You know what I mean by quarter, like the coin, right? So it's it's the, it's the width of a quarter and it comes out the top of my head. And as I'm sitting there, thinking, oh my gosh, is this thing gone? I I feel something sucking on the outside of my face. In fact, what happened was my vision got super bright in the upper left corner of my vision, which drew my attention to the top of my face. I was angels telling me, hey, come look over here, right? Drawing my attention over here. And I feel something sucking on the outside of my face. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have spiritual parasites. And I had just purged a spiritual parasite out of my head. It felt like I took a dump from my brain and had attached to the outside of my body like a leech. And I take my hand and I end up wiping the spiritual parasite away and it disappears into the ether. And now the next couple weeks of what I went through in Brazil, it was basically learning how these spiritual parasites work and how to get rid of them and how to push them out of my body. And I pulled over a hundred parasitic demons out of my body when I was in Brazil. It was not an easy time at all. And the worse that I fought against them, the smarter that I got in terms of spiritual warfare, the harder they ended up fighting back as well. So that same night, I had still two more parasites in the lower part of my spine. So I ended up pulling one out, comes out the top of my head as well. I get, I go for the third one. It goes up into my brain. And before I could get it completely out, a whole bunch of other parasites release into my gut. And you can see how these parasites, they got smarter right? Like it figured out that I was able to get a few out of my body. Well, it was realizing, hey, if this third one comes out, you know, then it started, they started to fight back. They started to get smarter. And that's why they released them into my gut. And by releasing them into my gut, I was like wrenched over. I could not get this third parasite out of my brain. And instead, I started having to fight against the parasites in my gut so I could muster the force to get the one out of my brain. And it became like serious warfare that I was in like super quickly. And so I end up trying different things in order to get the parasites out of my gut. I actually drank a shot glass of Agua Florida, which is a type of rose water, but it's alcohol based. So I'm literally taking a shot glass of rubbing alcohol to try to get myself to puke so that this stuff can come out of me because I did not want to drink any more ayahuasca. It's like, I, yeah, I should have, I should have, but it's hard, you know, it's a difficult process to go through. And so I end up drinking the shot glass of uh, Agua Florida, puking into a bush. I'm like wrenched over at the end of the night, completely defeated, still with a parasite in my brain. And I'm wondering like, what can this thing do with access to my brain? And I still think back to that day as probably, if I could go back in time and change any day of my life, that would be the day that I would change because that thing began to duplicate and make babies 
and it got so much worse than I could ever imagine. And it was the beginning of me realizing just how evil demonic spirits can actually be. And so the next day, one of the shamans comes up to me and says, hey, you need to drink this. And he hands me a vial. And he says, put four drops from this vial into a shot glass of water before you have breakfast every morning and it'll help with the parasites. And so I ended up doing this and I had no idea what this thing was, but the next ceremony that we go into, whatever it was, it worked miraculously. I ended up having all these baby parasites that had been duplicating from my brain, from the parasite that was in my brain, literally 60 or 70 of them came out of my head, just oozing out of me. And it was in that moment that I thought like, oh my gosh, I finally have a, a way in order to heal myself. Like the journey is gonna be way easier from now on. But I still had that big one in the back of my head. I had only been able to take care of all these little ones. I was like only doing maintenance, but it was nonetheless a blissful moment of healing. And the shaman comes up to me during that and he asked me something. He's like, actually first let me tell you, at the same time as my healing, I was seeing visions of dragons, like Chinese dragons, like dozens of Chinese dragons that were kind of like bobbing in and out of my visual field. And this is with my eyes closed, of course, right? The whole ceremony takes place with your eyes closed. So you're like in the spirit world. And the shaman comes up to me in the middle of the ceremony and he says something to me. And I know that he wants something from me. I'm like, what do you want? The Agolfarita or what? And the translator next to me is like, no, he wants the dragon's blood. I'm like, dragon's blood? That's what this stuff is called? And in that moment, I realized they knew that the dragon's blood had the spirit of a dragon. Although it was a tree resin, it carried the spirit of a dragon. And I had been seeing visions of dragons all night because of that. It was the dragon's blood that was healing me. And so I kept learning more and more and more about their medicines, how their medicine has spiritual components, like natural medicine, medicine made by God, has a spiritual component to it. When we take pharmaceutical drugs, there's no spiritual component to those pharmaceutical drugs. Yet we're, o we're only focusing on the physical components of the illness. And really oftentimes the physical component is only the symptom. And that is a huge part of my ministry, Heal by Faith, is helping people realize that their anxiety, their depression, their physical diseases, even cancers, these are all physical manifestations or manifestations that exist on the emotional or mental field that have spiritual roots. About 80% of all illnesses, I believe, have spiritual roots. There are some stuff that do not have spiritual roots that truly are emotionally rooted or whatever else, but these, your different layers of being, your physical layer, your energetic layer, the life force that literally is your electrical being, right? Your mental layer, your emotional layer, your spiritual layer, these things are inseparable. And if one layer is sick, if your spiritual layer is sick, then it leaves you either predisposed for illness on the other layers, or it can literally make you ill on those other layers as well. And then you will experience them as anxiety. You will experience them as demons. You'll experience them as physical illness. But if you want to heal those things, you can heal them by getting to the spiritual root of those diseases. And even if an illness is not spiritually rooted, even if you really do just have, you know, some kind of damage to tissue, you can actually heal tissue damage through spiritual light. And so this is what I'm trying to teach people with Heal by Faith is that you don't need to do ayahuasca. You don't need to go to the jungle. You don't need to do all that stuff. You can actually heal yourself through prayer. And what's more powerful than all these other medicines that I tried was Jesus. Like it was ultimately Jesus who ended up healing me at the end of the day. But I had to go through this long journey in order to discover that. Well, as the journey continues, I get smarter as like a spiritual warrior. I'm thinking that I'm building myself up as a spiritual warrior. I'm becoming more disciplined. I'm becoming more courageous. I'm, there are literally, there are really, really important, you know, mental skills and mental habits, persistence, all of this stuff that I was building up when I was going through this era of spiritual warfare. But the stronger that I got, 
the stronger the parasites got against me. And I remember one night specifically, oh, and one more thing before I get into that story is that I was actually working with a lot of other different types of you know plants and medicines that I had learned about when I was down there. Like one of the medicines that they gave me was this eye drop called Sananga. And the Sananga, it heals your eyes. Like I gave Sananga to one guy, you know, after Brazil, I brought it home with me and it's completely legal. You can buy it online, but it's a tree bark that can heal your vision. And I gave Sananga to one guy who's 40 years old. And 10 minutes later, he said he got 10 years back on his vision. His vision was fading to the point where he couldn't drive in the dark. He's like, I drove home in the dark and I felt like I could see fully again. One session of Sananga, 10 minutes. That's all it took, right? This, this medicine also, because your eyes are so closely linked to your brain, it also heals a lot of the nervous system. So I was using Sananga in order to basically melt the parasites that were in my nervous system. I was also using Hape, which is a tobacco-based powder that you blow into your nose. It basically throws you into a deep meditative state. And but once I was in that deep meditative state, I was able to do a lot of the, the work on the parasites, a lot of pushing the parasites through breath and through maneuvering, like basically love-filled breath was how I mostly got these parasites out of me. But I needed to get into a deep meditative state. The Hape got me there. Hape is amazing medicine. You can, once again, totally legal. You can buy this stuff online if you if you want. And then there was other roots that you know, the people gave me one of them was for infertility. And the, the shaman handed me this thing. He's like, you're gonna have a lot of kids. He gives me this. And I understand why because this stuff was like jungle Viagra, whatever this thing was, I had to chop it up, dry it in the sun, turn it into a powder, but it freaking worked, you know, it worked. So anyways, I'm learning about all these different medicines. And I'm using these medicines in ceremony with me. And I end up learning how to push parasites like demonic parasites out of my body. But I was pushing them out of my body with force. And the more that I forced against them, the more they end up pushing back against me as well. So there was one specific ceremony when we would, we were actually drinking ayahuasca during the day and we went straight into a night ceremony. So it's like basically all day for whatever, however many hours, like basically 24 hours we were drinking ayahuasca. But during the day we're sitting in the forest and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this parasite. I'm going to get this one parasite out of my head. And I had the goal of tackling one parasite that was in my brain that was really big, but had turned into two. So I knew that there was two total, but I ended up getting the one out of me. And here's some like pretty gruesome details. I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but as this parasite was coming out of me, it was about this thick. So like four or five inches wide coming out of the top of my head. And at the same time, it had grown tentacles. One of its tentacles stuck through my brain and out my eye and had hooked around my eye. It was like hanging on for dear life to not, for me so that I couldn't push this thing out of my head. Another one of its tentacles came out my nose and was hooked around my nose. So to do this, I had to imagine light passing through my eye and I had to imagine the breathing love in through my nose. And by, by imagining the light and the love, I was able to move this parasite and push this thing out of the top of my head. And eventually I, I got it out, but it took five cups of ayahuasca. And I remember these shamans, by the way, they take a plant called Yuanki that allows them to see into the spiritual world with clarity. And so the shamans could actually see what I was going through. They could see this, the demons that, that I had inside of me, right? When I would go up for healings, they would actually be able to pull 
pull, they were actually picking demons and like peeling them off of my body and like almost like I had bugs on me, right? But they could see something that other people couldn't see. But in order to be able to see them, they had to, once again, take this plant called Yuanki that goes along with the ayahuasca in order for them to be able to see super clearly what was going on. I ended up going to the shaman for my fifth cup of ayahuasca in the middle of, in the middle of the day, right? And the shaman sees what I'm going through right now. He sees this thing that's sticking out of the top of my head. He sees this thing that's looped around my eye and he sees this thing that's out my nose. And he looks at me like terrified, like, oh my gosh, you're dealing with some big stuff at the moment. And he hands me my fifth cup and he's like, get get to work, you know, finish this off. Don't let this thing freaking stay on you. And so I ended up getting that that parasite out of me. But it was as soon as I got that parasite out of me, I took a break before going for another one. Well, in during that break, in that moment of rest, one of the leaders of, of the group that I was with, he ends up saying, hey, today we are going to like actually have ceremony here at night as well. They, they were basically telling us the plan for the night. We need to go back to the center, grab all of our stuff for a night ceremony, and then we're going to come back here. Well, the center was like 10 minutes away. I had to walk 10 minutes to the center. We were going to have dinner, right? And then we were going to come back to where we were in the forest. Well, in that very brief moment, all of a sudden the parasite starts attacking and it like knows that this is its opportunity when I'm not in a deep meditative state, when I have to go move, when I have to physically tr transport myself to the center and back, it was like, this is our chance. And it ended up attacking me and it felt like it was taking like a blender to my brains and it was messing me up in a way where I knew that I couldn't focus anymore. Like it was messing up my ability to focus all the healing that I had on my, you know, completely fixing up my brain again had been kind of dissipated. And not only that, but it began to spread from that point. It shot tentacles through my entire body and oozed out this toxin that put me in such a deep state of pain. I can't even describe it to you. I was out for like three days. What I realized, by the way, about this about the nature of spiritual parasites is they can oftentimes release toxins. And later in this story, what one of the things that I learned in part two of this story, which I'll get to tomorrow, is the fact that Alzheimer's is a spiritual parasite. It actually is a, is a parasite that is like a slug. It has the texture of decay. It sits on top of the head. And I know this because I felt this in someone who has dementia, but I felt this spirit of Alzheimer's that was feeding off of this person's brain. And I realized in that moment, because I know that the medical community, they're like, we know Alzheimer's comes from this brain plaque that builds up called beta amyloid, but they have no idea where the brain plaque, plaque. they have no idea where the brain plaque comes from, right? So I felt this spirit of Alzheimer's that was on this person's head and I could feel that they had this spirit. And in that moment, I realized that spirit is releasing a toxic waste the same way that my parasite released a toxic waste inside of me that caused pain. This toxic waste is beta amyloid. This is where it comes from. And I pray that all Alzheimer's researchers and people who study dementia and are in a space, please listen to me. If you want to get to the root cause of Alzheimer's, you must study the spiritual roots of the disease. We must think about the spiritual roots of the medicine and not just think about how can we help people flush the beta amyloid out. But where's the beta amyloid coming from? It comes from a spirit, a parasitic spirit that sits on top of their brain. Okay? That's my message to Alzheimer's researchers. Please take this seriously. So what else? So that night I end up having this parasite that digs deep roots into my teeth, deep roots into my sacrum. I am in the most emotional and psychological distress that I have ever been in in my entire life at this point. I, at this moment, knew that there was nothing that I could do, that this thing had just 
wrecked havoc on me that I was in such a worse state of being than probably even before I came to the Amazon. At least I now know what was wrong, but it felt like I was being attacked in a new level because I knew what was causing the disease. I just didn't know how to take care of it properly, right? Which ultimately I didn't have to fight. Jesus won the fight when he got crucified on the cross. I just needed to come around to that, right? So this is where I was at when I left Brazil. This is the condition that I was in. And ultimately, what ended up happening was I, I left Brazil. So ultimately, this is the condition that I was in when I left Brazil. I was in extraordinary, extraordinary pain, physically, psychologically. I realized that I had a spiritual illness, but I didn't know what to do about it. I had seen exorcisms take place. I had seen, you know, two women who were exercised with this steam bath called chingasa. They literally smoke these demons out of people's bodies by covering them up with a blanket and putting a steam bath under them with this, this leaf called chingasa in it. And they smoked demons out of these people. And I had seen exorcism. I had seen the spiritual world is real. I had seen spiritual warfare. I knew spiritual warfare was real. I just didn't know what to do about it. And I wouldn't figure out what to do about it until several months later. And that's where we're going to take off in the next episode. This part two of this is I'm going to share the rest of the journey that I went through of trying to get rid of these parasitic demons up until the moment when I finally realized that Jesus Christ is the way. And he said, and if you're listening to this right now, I pray that you may open your mind to actually just believing when Jesus, when he said, I am the truth and I am the life and I am the way. And whoever believes in me will have eternal life. Because the beauty of believing in Christ is not just that you're free from demonic parasites and entities like that, but the beauty of believing in Jesus Christ is that he will completely save your life. And he will save you spiritually in addition to physically. So that's where we're going to take off on the next episode of Healed by Faith when we are talking about the full story. This is my testimony of how I was cursed in Haiti and how Jesus Christ miraculously healed me. I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, if this episode really hit home with you and you've decided it's time to really build my faith foundation, then please download some free resources that I have for you. These are my top five free resources that I use that really helped deepen my faith during my spiritual journey. Thankfully, I had amazing mentors around me and they guided me to these resources. And with these resources, I was really able to accelerate my faith journey. So I'm going to share them with you as well. You can download them at spiritualpathtohealing.com slash the number five dash free. That's spiritualpathtohealing.com. There will also be a link to that in this podcast episode as well. So you can just click that link and download those five free resources. But I highly recommend it. These are the things that really helped me build my faith foundation and hopefully they can help you build yours as well. Thanks.